Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Go ahead, Mom. Thank you very much, Zara, and welcome back, everyone. As always, we really appreciate your comments, your reviews, and your feedback. And if you would like to reach us, if you would like to give us feedback on this episode or any others that you've had a chance to listen to, you can direct message me on Instagram at Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. You can message me on Facebook at Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. You can reach me through the contact form on our website, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Or you can email me. Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, at imhomeschooling.com. And we will get back to you as soon as we can. Now, moving on, who did you interview in this episode, Mom? I interviewed Rannon Lockman in this episode. And why did you interview him? Well, Rannon's story is a story that really resonated with me. Rannon's wife, actually quite a few years ago, was diagnosed with late-stage breast cancer, And her diagnosis was something that really shook the family up. And it was a near-death experience that really brought them to a point where they looked at their life and they realized they wanted to do things differently. So with renewed purpose and family values, they decided to sell everything that they have to travel full-time with the family, with their kids. And they've been on that journey now for quite a few years. They went from having an RV all the way down to the tip of Central South America, to Australia, and now to Bali, where they ended up falling in love with Bali. And that's where they started their new life. They're there with their two young children, and they also help other families to do the same, to escape the rat race, find a new purpose, and to live a healthier, more balanced life in Bali or any other place that suits their needs. Would you like to say anything else about him? You can find out more about Rannon and what they do at their website, terrificlifestyle.com. And I know many think that, oh, that's not for me. It's only for a certain kind of person. It is for someone who has a certain amount of money in their bank account. But they actually offer some really practical tips to get there, to help you set up additional streams of income, and ways that you can choose a location that meets your needs, meets your family needs, but also that allows you to live on a very small percentage compared to what most are now in the Western world in North America or other places. And don't forget to leave a review. Enjoy the episode! Today, I have Renan Lockman joining me on the show. Thank you very much, Renan, for coming on. Thank you for having me, Robin. I really appreciate it. So Renan Lockman is an accomplished business professional. He's a former Wall Street investment banker, entrepreneur, triathlete, and author. He lives in Bali with his wife and two young children, from where he helps other families escape the rat race and live a healthier and more balanced life. It was quite a few years ago when Renan's wife was diagnosed with late-stage breast cancer, 
and going through a torturous year of medical treatments and managing through this near-death experience transformed his views on life. It also created a sense of urgency to focus on purposeful activities and dedicate substantial time to the people he loves, all before it's too late. And with this new insight, he quit the work office setting, sold their belongings, and left with the family to accomplish a lifelong dream, travel around the world for a year. They drove a motor home from California to Chile for 10 months and then continued to Asia. So I'm looking forward to hear more about this, Renan. So yeah, I'm uh, talking to you uh, from Bali, uh, Indonesia, uh, sitting next to a rice field. Uh, and the way to get here was long and uh, very interesting, to say the least. So we're, we live the usual uh, American dream story. We worked hard in order to get jobs. I used to work in Wall Street for many years and then uh, started a couple of uh, uh, startup companies. And the goal was always uh, what we were told to work hard, uh, try to play hard as you build your life and your family. We have two kids. Uh, uh, my son is 12 now and my daughter is eight. Uh, and that kind of path took me from New York when I was a Wall Street banker to California uh, to Silicon Valley to chase kind of the tech boom. Um, and, you know, plans are one thing, but obviously God planned for us, the, you know, different things. And at some point, uh, my wife died, was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And obviously that puts a hold on your life and on your thoughts. Uh, and we went through a very difficult year of medical treatment. And uh, luckily, she came on the other side uh, healthy. And um, we kind of looked at our life uh, suddenly and said, you know, what are we doing here? You know, we're chasing uh, after a dream that always keeps on moving the yardstick uh, every time we achieve some, some goal. And we find uh, ourselves, and I found myself, you know, coming from work at uh, 8 p.m., after the kids uh, already in bed or just, you know, doing the closing ceremonies of uh, trying to put them in bed, uh, you know, after they had dinner and uh, getting the showers and just saying goodnight to them, but basically missing their childhood um, and understanding that, you know, this time basically will never uh, return. So uh, it was an opportune time, so to speak, when uh, my wife, Michelle, um, basically started the second part of her life. And we looked at ourselves and said, you know, we're basically not aligned with the values that we want to give to our kids. Uh, we're wasting our time trying to chase money. Um, and there's something else that we can do. And uh, both my, my wife and I, when we met, we were uh, young travelers and we always loved to travel. I used to travel um, for nine, I traveled nine months in South America when I was a kid. She traveled in Europe uh, by herself uh, after college. And uh, our always lifelong dream was, you know, to travel around the world. That was for me, the things that you do after you are successful in life and you retire. Um, you know, when you're 60, 65, when you, the kids are out of the nest and you are going around the world and have the time and the money in order to do that, how wrong was I, Robin, right, as you know? <laughs> 
Yeah. And it takes, you know, it takes time, you know, to realize that you can actually do it much earlier and because we kind of live in a society that actually uh, distilling us that kind of thought process. Uh, and it took a while to break that thought and kind of say, hey, we can actually uh, do it now while we are young, while we have the energy to do it, while we can uh, run around and climb volcanoes and enjoy different things and be open-minded to different adventures and different foods and learning a new language. And um, that's what we decided to do. So basically, we were renting back then in Silicon Valley and and Silicon Valley is a very expensive place, and we'll get to that kind of later, but we used to spend $15,000 a month just on kind of living, normal living expenses there. Um, well, $15,000 $15, a month? $15,000 a month, yes. Wow. Okay. And that's, you know, living a very regular life, you know, renting a, a very simple house of three bedrooms, nothing fancy, um, but that's the cost of living in California and also in New York when we lived beforehand. And then we decided, you know what, we're going to pack everything um, and not even pack them in order to, to store them. You know, we basically sold everything that we had. Uh, we sold our cars. We sold everything that we had in the garage that was a storage room and never served as an, an actual garage. Uh, like many families, right, uh, have, and things that we realized, you know, that we almost never used or, to, you know, we used them two, three years ago. Um, and I remember my conversation with my wife that even wanted to um, ship some things that she got in our wedding, which was 14 years ago. And I looked at that, that was couple of, you know, fancy crystal glasses. And I said, you know what? We never used them for 14 years. They just sat in storage. They just sat in storage. Right? Yes. They were, you know, gifts from somebody she cares a lot of, but, you know, but we're, if we haven't used them for 14 years, you know what? Odds are we're not going to use them for the next 14 years. And we gave those things away to friends and family. Um, it's funny. She, we, uh, there were about five boxes that she insisted to keep and ship to her parents in New York. And we were just in New York. And I told her, you know, you probably wouldn't, won't need it. And we were now uh, two and a half years after that kind of uh, packaging. And she went down to the basement of her parents in New York. And now she let it go from those five boxes because she realized she will basically not going to use those anymore it's you know it's all the things that you think that you're going to use but anyway we sold everything and we bought an rv and used an rv and motorhome and i quit my job and stopped working in the office setting in the valley and we basically put our kids in you know a few things inside and we started driving south toward chile and, you know, we researched that and we planned that trip for six months. And I remember, you know, sending those notices to our families and friends and everybody thought that we were crazy, you know, in the beginning, um, because it's such a weird thing, you know, to leave everything behind and kind of, you know, go away. 
and, and you know many people thought we're basically not going to do it because it's, it's so weird but we basically decided to do it and we just did it and which is you know lesson number one from all our trip is the hardest thing is making the decision but once you make the decision everything falls into place and it makes it just checking things on a to-do list like you do in many other things. So we researched, you know, about how to go down, you know, to travel. And, you know, as you travel to Chile, you go through some supposedly very dangerous places uh, like the north of Mexico as you cross through cartel areas or Colombia uh, where you go also through drug and related areas and some obviously parts of Central America are not the most safe in the world. And, you know, the thought of, you know, taking your two little kids, you know, with you and put them in danger zone is kind of scary, you know, especially it was scary to me because I took responsibility on that decision and I took myself the responsible to bring them safe. Um, but I can tell you that after 10 months and after going through all those countries, we had only amazing experiences. Uh, we never seen violence. We never seen anything that put our life in danger. The scariest or in funniest story uh, that we had actually happened Two weeks into our trip, we started actually going a little bit in the U.S. in order to get there. And we stopped in a little town uh, next to a, a park there. Um, and we went to sleep. And at about like 1 a.m. in the morning, I start hearing gunshots. And like somebody's shooting into our RV. Um, and I'm my background, I used to be a fighter pilot in my, in my past. So I'm like immediately kind of shouting everyone to duck cover, you know, and go down and kind of peeping through the window to see who's shooting at us. And, and what turns out that it was just a broken sprinkler that instead of spraying the grass <laughs> into the park, it was spraying the side of the RV. And it was like really loud. And my wife burst laughter seeing me jumping out of the RV with my underwear, you know, just storming <laughs> onto the sprinkler and just turning it to the other side. Uh, so, you know, that's the only kind of shooting that we experienced in all our 10 uh, month trip right. <laughs> that, that, that we've seen. Um, but it was really a, an amazing experience, you know, when you're thinking about as a, yeah, as a parent, yeah. you know, taking your kids, you know, we kind of, they, they picked up a new language, Spanish, you know, we learned together how to surf. Um, we volunteered in a couple of places in, in Ecuador. We volunteered in a place that has a 350 uh, sheltered kind of dogs that, um, they picked from the streets. We, we in Panama, we volunteered in a sheep farm. And it's great to see, you know, your kids Very yeah, cool. do, doing yeah. things that they, they will never do um, in the U.S. or in the Western world, so to speak, because they never experience uh, those things um, and see their dad um, building fences, you know, um, and like planting seeds like with local farmers and we also got stuck in costa rica for three days um, in a hurricane that literally almost 
wiped away our RV um, because it was such a, a strong, you know, the rain was like enormous. And, you know, the locals helped us and kind of moved us up the mountain and kind of helped, you know, parked our RV to protect it from, from the river. And then when that kind of passed by, we realized that the only bridge that connects that village to the rest of the world was basically destroyed from the overflowing of the river. So we actually worked with the local for two days. The kids uh, went into the river, picked, you know, stones, and we, we filled those holes that allowed us after two days for our pretty heavy RV to, you know, uh, drive on it. And it was just amazing thing to see uh, our Western kids, you know, working with the locals and doing something that they will never do otherwise. And, uh, and it was just kind of, you know, amazing to, to be part of it and experience, you know, the, the difficult things and, you know, those moments of joy, um, you know, as a parent. Um, I think, you know, for me, one of the most scariest things, a part of the, you know, the safety was the, you know, the, the teaching of the kids, of the road schooling them. You're in South America. You started this amazing experience with your family. Your kids are experiencing things and you are, you and your wife are experiencing life that you probably would not have if you had stayed in the U.S. and kept doing what you were doing. Um, plus, I mean, for me, I think your family had already been experiencing such a strong, life-changing right. experience with your wife and her being diagnosed with cancer. In so many things happening for your family, so many changes, right? For everyone, for your wife and for your kids and for you, was going on that journey to South America, starting in South America, because I know you're still on the journey right now, was that almost a soothing or helpful thing to do with everything that your wife was experiencing with breast cancer and what your family was going through? Was that almost in a way a, a bit of healing as well for the family? Or was it the opposite? I think it's a great question. I think that our family needed a break from the before, so to speak, and the environment that we had before that obviously gets uh, the connection to uh, the treatments and what we went through. Um, and leaving that and starting a new adventure was obviously exciting. And the kids were extremely excited in the beginning. For them, it was like a new adventure. And we're going to see those all those countries and, you know, get, you know, passport and all of that. Um, but it also was very challenging. You know, it's like we have not took the path, which some families do, in which you pick a couple of places and stay there for a month or two, which is, you know, fantastic by itself. But we had to travel uh, basically almost every day, uh, which can be very tiring and kind of create its own challenges because you have to plan where you go and you don't know if you're going to get to where you're supposed to go. And Google Maps sends you on weird that, you know, your <laughs> sure. RV realize at the end that you actually cannot cross that, you know, little path that is rocky, full of water and branches scratching you from both sides and you get chaotic on what's going to happen and if you're going to survive that, 
downhill. And then when you realize that you have to go uphill, uh, you know, to go back to the road, <laughs> that makes it very interesting. Uh, so there are a lot of challenges to go through it. And it kind of stretches you, you know, on both the relationship, um, uh, our relationship, Michelle and I, and uh, the relationship with the kids. Obviously, they have to deal with each other through hours of driving and entertain themselves. Um, so I think it was a combination. I think it was very healing to my wife to go and as a family together and see uh, and going through also spiritual kind of process that she went through with meditation, uh, which was very, very, very good for her. She used to wake up early and do her meditation early on. And for us, just spending time as a family and you know, getting to know each other after so many years in which everyone did their own thing and suddenly we're doing this together. Right. Yeah, I absolutely see that. I, I think that would be that would be huge healing for everybody as well. So so then you were driving your RV in South America and this has been one year? It's been one year. That you were in South America for? That's okay. Correct. And so then after, because now you are on the other side of the world from me, you're in Bali right now. Right. How did that happen? How did you go? Did you, after the, were you only planning a year or did you just kind of say, you know what, we'll take it and we'll see where it goes from there? We started with a year thinking of, and basically we had to sell it to ourselves. And I think that committing to more was too much, and especially because it was unknown. And so we said, you know, we're going to do around the world in a year. And we started by driving down to Chile. And when we got to Chile, we sold their V there to another family that took it up north. And then we planned to see Australia, which we went there for almost a month, also with an RV. And then the next stop was Bali. And it was just supposed to be just one stop on the way to continue to see Asia. And we didn't have really a lot, you know, a big plan, but we were planning to do Asia and then go to Europe and then go to Africa and then go come back to the U.S. And we basically fell in love with Bali. Uh, you know, it's such an amazing island. It got here, especially for my wife, all the healing. And uh, we live in a wood, which is very known for the energy and the healing. Um, and Sorry, the, you, you live in Ubud? In Ubud, uh, U-B-U-D, um, which has a lot of uh, yoga. It's kind of the mecca of yoga in the world, so to speak. Um, and it's beautiful. And, you know, our house now is on, you know, five terraces of rice field and we see coconut trees in the jungle in front of us and the weather is great and it's so inexpensive and there's a lot of the mentality of minimalism here okay which yeah. is very different than what we used to live in the u.s and definitely what we start to get accustomed to you know when you live for almost a year in a 40 kind of a uh, 40 square foot uh, uh, RV, right? Uh, you shed a lot of the things that you don't need, and and they have mm -hmm. the same kind of mentality here. Um, 
and we basically fell in love with the place and it started with okay we were planning to be here two weeks and then we said okay maybe we'll stay here for another two weeks <laughs> and those two weeks started okay you know maybe we'll take another month in the airbnb that we rented and suddenly it became you know let's look at um schooling possibilities you know for our kids and then we registered our kids to kind of um, international school here uh, that um, kind of jive with the same kind of concept from us it's kind of semi-schooling semi um a kind of unschooling you know in the philosophy of letting the kids yeah because kind of, you you homeschooled or unschooled the kids while you were traveling before in south america and australia that's correct. So while we were driving down, uh, we were road pulling them. So we have decided to uh, spend six hours a week, three times for two hours, and basically focus on just two subjects, um, uh, math and uh, uh, languages for them. And uh, it was also an eye-opener for us because for me, the scary, scariest thing was being a teacher for my kids, right? I never had to do that. I, I acted, obviously, as, as a parent, but I kind of outsourced the schooling for them to the teachers, right, that they went to uh, in, in school, both in New York and in California. So suddenly, being their teacher, oh, that was an interesting, you know, role, you know, to assume. And it was also very amazing to me to see how one-on-one -on -one teaching with uh, your kids is so much more powerful than what they get in their schools. Um, so I'll just give you an example. My daughter was uh, finishing the first year uh, when we left California. Uh, and while we were driving down uh, by ourselves, in, in, we took books you know, with curriculum. Uh, she was able to finish second year, third year, and start fourth year math um, oh, wow! basically just doing one-on-one -on -one. she loves math apparently i didn't know that beforehand and you know <laughs> it was this amazing revelation and you know the way i did it is like whenever she's, she's not very sporty so whenever we climbed a volcano or a mountain you know we i were used to just instead of her focusing on how tired she is, I just started asking her math questions. And she would just, right. you know, think and, and focus on solving the math question. And I'd tell you, know, you'll get four stars, you know? You know, and she was accumulating <laughs> virtual stars that evaporated when we got to the top. <laughs> but, but, but that was her way to just, you know, do the hike, you know, with all the family, without complaining and learn math along the way. And uh, that was just an amazing different way. It was eye-opener for me, I think, more than them. I don't think the kids still understand, you know, the amazing feat that they went through 21 countries in a year. For them, right. it's, it's, I don't- It's life I, to them right now. It's their norm, normal life. <laughs> right, that's, that's life. This is what you do, you know? And yeah. when you talk <laughs> with my mother, you know, she was not traveling abroad until she was 30 right mm -hmm. in her generation um and those kids are just taking it you know for granted and you know in december we were and it comes with their challenges too you know we were in, in, in december we were in india for a month and i was trying to find there a a dump a garbage dump 
to let the kid with me work there for a couple of days so they can start appreciating work, right? Because, you know, you travel in areas, we live now in Indonesia, in which kids don't have the opportunity. It's just illegal to have kids work in a pizzeria or just, you know, when they're, you know, teenager, etc. So we have to be very resourceful to find, to give them some of those opportunities to appreciate. Um, for us or for any other families that we know that travel and homeschool or world school or road school is, you know, how do you afford it? Like, you know, if someone said, thought, well, you know what, Renan, you worked on Wall Street and in Silicon Valley and you made mad cash and you sold all your belongings. And so you have this huge nest egg that you can travel on with no problems. How can just a, you know, a low income family or an everyday family travel and do something like this and then still be able to continue to travel? Yeah, no, and and that's a a great question because we thought exactly the same uh, before. Uh, Like people that took a year off and did that probably had to sell, you know, their company with a huge exit in order to have a huge nest egg to afford that. And and the reality is actually very, very different. Um, It's funny, but I think I mentioned to you in the beginning of the podcast that we used to spend $15,000 a month just on living expenses in California. And it's not just because we're big spenders. No, we're not. We use very moderately. um, uh, But it's the same issue with the cost of living in New York and the cost of living in Seattle and many other parts of urban areas in the U.S. is really high. And when you have two kids, you know, that's what you spend. And people don't realize, but that's what you actually spend between your rent or your mortgage and driving and a couple of restaurants, you know, when you go to and clothing and just groceries, right? You spend thousands of dollars a month and you just think that that's what you need to to survive but you never stop for a second and see that this amount of money will take you so long in places like asia you know i can give you like hard numbers you know the average family of four people in san francisco spend around ten thousand two hundred dollars the same family in Bali, for example, or Thailand, okay, we'll spend twelve hundred dollars. Okay, so twelve hundred. Okay, twelve hundred. It's It's a huge, huge difference. You know, our lunch here. You know, when we go to a very nice restaurant that is, you know, beautifully designed, and you get, you know, for yourself or for the kids, you know, main dish and a fresh juice from fruit and dessert, creme brulee, whatever, is $2. In the, in, in the U.S., I would go with the kids to any diner or anything, you know, it's like you spend anything from, you know, 8 to $10, you know, for every person. Um, not to talk about if you go for like a nice dinner, right, the main course is like $30, $25, um, $30. Yeah. So prices are actually a lot more affordable in many places, you know, to travel. So if you go and travel in Asia, if you go obviously and travel in Central or South uh, America, uh, you basically can live on a budget of $1,500. Now, a lot of people will say, you know what, 
I don't have, unless I continue to work in my job now, I don't have $1,500 to spend on it. And, you know, the, the, the truth is that there's several ways to actually do it. One is we live in a world that is now uh, very globalized. A lot of the work that people are do they're doing now can be done from the same laptop or computer that they're doing now but from a different place so many people that listening to this podcast would be surprised that if they go to their boss and say hey i am planning to take a year off with my family and go travel around the world but i still love this job i'm good at what i'm doing i want to come back to this company they'll be surprised as my gut feeling 75% of, of their bosses will say, you know what, you can keep on doing what you're doing and do it remotely, okay, which basically means that they can even keep their salary and save quite a bit of money by traveling around the world and spending, you know, several hours a day working at, at their job, okay, so that's one possibility that you can do. Another possibility, and by the way, we work with, since we moved to Bali, we actually I mean, a partner of mine here, Tammy, uh, have a, a business called Terrific Lifestyle that basically work with families to show them that they can transition and move from the rat race and transition to a much healthier or more, and more balanced lifestyle. And we work with quite a lot of people that basically have the same conundrum. You know, they currently just work their ass off in order to pay the bills. And what we're trying to show them that there's there are other ways in which they can stop the bills and work for themselves. And right. one way that kind of I mentioned to you is you know you know moving remotely. Another one is there's so many jobs nowadays that anyone can do. You don't need to have a college degree. You don't need to be an investment banker or management consultant or etc. But there are sites that will pay you $40, $50 an hour, literally just to look at websites and test them as a consumer and give your opinion, you know, which is a dream job. And you can do it next to a pool drinking margaritas and basically, <laughs> you know, fire your laptops. I've done it just for fun for, you know, for several days just to see what it is, you know, for, for our client. And it's fantastic because you get those sites that, you know, new startups that are basically trying to test their new product and they need comments from real people like us. And you tell them, hey, you know, I tried to find this registration. I couldn't find it. And it's just recorded and you get $50 an hour to do that. $50 in any one of those places that I mentioned to you is what keeps you as a family for more than a day. And it takes you an hour to do that. So you can literally work for two, three hours a day and make more than enough to cover all your travel costs, including the flights, including the hotels that you're staying here, there, because they are so much cheaper than you think. They are 5 to $10 to stay in hotel rooms for the whole family, including breakfast, where in the U.S. it will be 100 to $150 for the same yeah. At least, yeah. Yeah. And so what are some other for the, because I also, it, um, I also understand that Bali, for example, where you are as well, has a growing community of expats or world schoolers that are going there because of that. Um, so there's, 
the community is getting larger. What do you find many of the families that have chosen to live there that have gone and stayed? What are they doing? What's kind of the the most popular or even the what you find a lot? Yeah, so a lot of the people around us, um, and this, uh, and I agree, you know, we became kind of a hub and there are several even co-working places, right, when you can basically come and sit together and, and brainstorm and kind of help each other, is there are a lot of people that opening their businesses on coaching for different things, right? It can be if your passion is a... a there, there are several vegan uh, people that are vegan and they're basically doing nutritional coaching, right? And there are people that are doing kind of health, wellness, um, patient coaching, life coaching, several that are doing those basically MLM type of product, multi-level marketing in which they are using Facebook and their their friends on Facebook to uh, help promote, the, you know, one product or, or, or another. Um, and, and basically, you see people becoming their own entrepreneurs, right? And the beauty of it is that you take something that you like, and it can be, you know, anything from your side project or your passion, um, something that you looked as a hobby back home and you've done it, you know, once every month for a couple of hours. Uh, and now you really have the time to be a real expert on that, you know, and you write and you create a little website. And today's is so easy. You have weeks or Squarespace and you create free sites in literally a couple of hours. Um, and they look beautiful and you write content on them. And nowadays, everything is online. So you can learn how to create those businesses very easily and how to promote those businesses. And because the cost of living is so small and so it's so affordable, you don't need to make the same salary that you made in the U.S., right? You don't need to make $200,000 or $100,000. A family leaves extremely comfortably on $30,000. So between you or you and your partner, and there's many single parent families here in, in Bali because it's so cheap and easy to get help also. Um, Interesting. Okay. Um, you, you, you live an amazing lifestyle, you know, seriously, um, that you, you can't afford to get in in the U.S. We have a group here of about 150 families, expat families. And by the way, Bali is a center, you know, for uh, for that in a sense. Or actually, next week there is here the world um, unschooling kind of festival here. So there are families from all over the world. I think 400 people that are basically coming here for like four days, a uh, kind of festival uh, with their kids. And it's great because you basically get people that are, you know, very like-minded, right? They, they many of them, mm -hmm. you know, um, the jump, you know. Uh, cut their ties, you know, with their, their nine to five jobs and explored a different, more exciting life in a new country, right? Uh, with the benefit uh, of still being able to speak English because, you know, English here is well spoken and, and all the benefits of the Western world, so to speak, um, but with the privilege of not paying so much and experiencing 
a, a new life for them and their families. Right, right. I, I'm actually just picturing you right now sitting there. I know it's nighttime, but it's hot. It's, I mean, it's a cool day here where I am in Alberta. <laughs> and I'm just imagining that, you know, the the kind of the sticky hot heat and, you know, the sound of, I don't, I don't know if there's any uh, insect sounds at nighttime. I know in Jamaica, there's always a kind of frogs and different things that you hear at nighttime, but it just, you know, the the tropics is just so different, right? Staying up late and, and uh, yeah, it has always a carefree feeling to it. I find that's different in cold weather climate. So I, Yeah. And, and it's fun, you know, it's like literally I have four t-shirts and three shorts to my life. Okay. I'm not yeah, talk, it's simple, right? It's really simple, you know, and one pair of flippers and one sneaker and that's it. And every morning the kids are putting t-shirts and shorts and that's it and they don't and you don't need to pack them with those coats you know that we used to do in new york which is a nightmare and trying yeah, to, I know. and yeah. try to get the gloves on, on the kids boots and the boots and, yeah. you know before before you go out and you know in the heated apartment yeah, i know it well yes. you're so <laughs> hot inside and then you go outside and you're freezing and you try to get to the subway and it's just it's unbelievable you know it's like i'll give you like my, my son now on the second floor are you know we have a villa with like in a shala there he is like now four other friends, local friends here that just walk to him and, you know, they're doing a, a, a stay over, you know, and it's like texting mm-hmm. with the moms. Oh, he's coming over for the sleepover. Great. You know, it's like, it's such a different feeling and um, which we, we never had in the U S in it because every, every time there it's, you have to schedule those things and planned. And here we think we, we basically get an amazing community around us which are very like-minded people and open for new things and we just enjoy it. So I don't, I don't know how long it will last, you know, when we're talking with our kids, which is also an interesting kind of topic um, because when we, we sold them a year, right. (laughs) When we, when we left uh, with the RV and uh, when we came here, we managed to squeeze from them another year. Uh, but for them, because they're still kids, they still think about, okay, at the end of the year, we're going back to America. They don't know where. We don't know, we don't know where, you know. Um, but my philosophy and what my wife and I agree is like, look, as long as we're happy here, we're going to stay. And that's what we're trying to, at some point, we're going to have an interesting conversation with the kids and see where, where, where are we going from here until the second year here ends. We're a year and a half already in Bali, and uh, we're going to have an interesting conversation in, in four or five months from now. Yeah, I'd love to connect again after that to find out where you guys, you know, what you've decided and if you're staying again or if you're going to try something new or if you're going to return. And because that in itself, even if you do decide to return, to the, it will be a whole new experience <laughs> and readjustment in so many ways because of the huge lifestyle difference and the difference in values that each country holds, right? Without a doubt. And it's, it's funny that you're saying that because we just this summer uh, had a break from school and we uh, we traveled to Israel and we go, went back to New York and California to visit, you know, they wanted to see their friends. But the things that I loved in California and my wife loved in New York. We looked back at it and we looked at each other and said, you know what? I'm not so sure that I want to go back again to those places 
that we really loved at some point because now our set of value changed and we are looking at different things and we're just not trying to make more money in Wall Street, right? right. It's yeah. not of interest. You know, we're trying to focus on different things that we put a lot more value on, which we, it's kind of hard to get there, you know, because you in New York, you spend 30% of your energy just to stay in the same spot. Right, yeah. And, and here you can do so much more you know you spend your time you know i finished another book here and my wife started another business like small little little things you know that um and those things that you never have another chance to do when you're just so stretched so thin when you just have to go and work hard to pay bills yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and the general feeling, because everyone is doing that, is kind of a, I don't want to say a mass hysteria, but it is the feeling of go, 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 rush. Okay, what do I have to do next? Let's go to my list and let's check it off. Okay, now what next? What next? And, and then, you know, there's, right. and I don't know if you know, there is a book I've been reading. It's called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And he just talks about um, the importance of deep work, in, and especially for our society as a whole, to create new things, forward-thinking things, um, you know, amazing things that we use now were the, are the product of deep work, taking the time out to really slow down, to disconnect, so that essentially your brain and your body can get in the state of creative thinking and exploration. But when we're rushing and rushing and stopping and checking emails and doing all of these things that are this kind of menial task work or just trying to go, 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 we're creating no space for these other right. amazing things to be created, this other deep work to happen. And yeah. uh, so we see less of it in our Western culture as we get busier. And it's only those who really have to take the time to literally step out, physically step out like you guys are doing to create those things. And I think that's what's happening is instead of many are feeling that they just have to leave and go away and then and be surrounded by others or community that is able to slow down and that takes priority in those things. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally resonate with me. And, you know, the interesting thing that I found is, well, a lot of people understand that that's what they need to do, what they want to do, in a sense, to stop, right, and, you know, spend time and think. Because, you know, when you're rushing, right, you sometimes you just spin like a hamster, right? And, and yeah. you're not really yeah. moving anywhere. You just feeling, you get the feeling that you're kind of uh, running. In the, in the beginning, we were trying to evangelize the notion of things that we've done. And, you know, a lot of our friends looking at our, us now and, you know, they leave, you know, personally through us in a sense when they get the images or like uh, they see that. But when we talk to them and say, hey, you can do it too, you know? It's like we haven't done anything special, you know? We just made the decision to leave. And once you make the decision to leave, everything falls into place. But it's like very hard. You see that people are just not prepared for that. And we, at some point, we basically decided to stop to evangelize it too, you know, too much because you have to, you can put the seed but you need to let it kind of brew, so to speak, until people yeah. are ready for that. Right. And only, you know, for, for us, unfortunately, it happened because of my wife. And, 
cancer, that kind of the light bulb came up and we said, okay, we need to do something drastically different. But hopefully for a lot of other uh, people and a lot of the listeners of, of this podcast that are, you know, want to do that, hopefully they don't have to go through that kind of catalyst and, you know, just realize that there's, it's definitely doable. It's easier than you think. You just need to make the decision and then a lot of things will just fall into place. And the good thing, you can always come back. You know, there's usually zero risk, right? You know, um, unless something really dramatic happens, you know, in the Western world, you can basically always come back to your hometown and yeah, your friends will right. still be there and you'll find a job and this will be an amazing experience for the rest of your life for you and your family. Yeah, that's right. You can always come back. So I know we're getting to our time here, and I want to be respectful of that as well. And for those, I just want to ask, too, that maybe you can share, for those that are ready, who've maybe the seed's been planted and it's starting to grow, and they are more curious and they are ready, and they think, you know what, I'm, I'm actually really considering this. I'm, I'm looking at it more. Are there a few, before they have even left or anything like that, they, you know, now the seed is growing. Are there some... Um, is there advice or some tips that you would maybe give and pass on to uh, help move towards that process? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. So we took a lot of our learnings um, and also the process, okay, and put it in a way that anyone can basically consume and get kind of even the Excel spreadsheet for free of what to do in order to leave the rat race. And okay. uh, you can find all of that on www.terrificlifestyle.com. If you go there to the tips, you can find a lot of that, including how to travel, you know, with your kids and uh, what is a day of an expat traveling looks like and making the decision to upgrade your life, so to speak, and how to escape the rat race. So all of that uh, is available there, including a table there that compare different places around the world uh, in, in the sense of where is it nice to place to live you know do you want to do it in bali indonesia or do you want to do it in porto in portugal or in in mexico uh, across multiple things about you know schooling medical uh, quality of air quality of, of medical uh, treatments there cost of living obviously a lot of things that are just interesting to see where you can potentially land um, and and try you know those different things uh, and i think that there's a lot of um information that you can consume before that will basically ease a lot of your risk uh, or uncertainty and concerns uh, and also uh, we're happy to talk with if there's any kind of family that is concerning or concerned and just want to know how to do it or have specific questions uh, you can go on that website and we just schedule a call it's for free you know we're trying to evangelize more families to take the leap and do it because you will never regret that decision and life is too short to live with regrets so when you're 65 and you haven't done it it's kind of impossible to look back and and wish you, you have done it beforehand mm, yeah absolutely 
So what I will do is I will include that link to your website on in the show notes. So if anyone wants to refer back to the show notes, they can just go to there and I'll put that link in www.terrificlifestyle.com. That works. And then they can find that easily. Is there anything else? Like actually all of that, you can, the free tips and the booking a call, anything like that is all on the website too. Uh, is there anything else that I should include or any other reference? That will work pretty well. If you go to the tips there, there's also the, the you know, a list of the work, you know, the sites that I mentioned before that you can basically work remotely. So you can even test drive it before you leave, so to speak. So you can see that you can earn money before, you know, making the plunge and, and quitting your job if, if that's uh, something that you're looking to do. So basically simulate your going away, you know, before you do it. But yeah, a lot of the information is just there. Okay. The simulation is a great idea. Wow. I love that. Okay. I'm going to try it myself and then I'll let you know what comes out. Sounds <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Be back on the road. <laughs> yeah. No, in reality, you can really simulate everything, right? You know, if, you know we took the, the same RV and we went for two weeks trips when we were in California just to see how all of us fit together, right? It's not obviously the same thing when you travel in the U.S. versus in foreign countries, but it's easy, you know? You just need to... I, what I'm trying to convey is for people that it's all doable, right? Mm-hmm. And you need just to break it down to... It, it seems like an impossible task, but if you break it down to little tasks and just do those little things, you realize that you basically can do it and you can even get the kind of the Excel spreadsheet of all the tasks that you want to do and what to consider, what to sell, what to give, what to keep, and all of that, including financial analysis uh, that you can find on the website. Okay, fantastic. I like Excel spreadsheets, so <laughs> it makes it lays, it, it lays it all out, which is really nice so, and unique. That's right. I like it too. Thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you, Robin, for uh, having me here. And I'm happy to help any other family that uh, want uh, more information and we're happy to share our experience. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, Robin at I'mHomeschooling.com. Thank you.